Welcome to Gue 101.5 FM, Isla del Sur Pueblo, and the Daily Corn Mill, which you can download on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere you got podcasts, Spotify. Today, we've got three very special guests with us from the Emergency Management Division of the Isla del Sur Pueblo. I will start from my right to uh, my left to my right. I've got Spetsy Archuleta. How are you doing, Spetsy? Good, and yourself? Real good. Thank you for asking. And we've got uh, Josh Garcia. Good morning to you, sir. And we got Julie Smith. How you doing, Julie? That's oh, Smith Hart, but that's Smith, okay. Smith we're, Hart. Julie Smith Hart. We're good. Okay, cool. <laughs> so sorry about that. I don't mean to be- butcher your name, Julie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so l- first off, let me ask you guys, um, g- tell me about your, your job title and what you do for the tribe, starting with Spetsy. Well, I'm actually an administrative assistant. I help out Josh under the DPS department. And there's four divisions under the DPS, which we are one of them. Okay, great. So how long have you been doing that for, Spetsy? Four years. Four years. Wow. Time flies, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, moving over to Josh. Josh, you've been with, with the department for a very long time, right? I have actually since its inception. So I'm the emergency management coordinator. And yeah, I was very fortunate to... Uh, uh, start the emergency management program back in 2006. So oh, wow. So, and you're still with it. So that's 13 plus years there. Yes, yeah. Wow. And uh, Julie Hart-Smith, uh, um, <laughs> give me your title <laughs> and what you do, Julie. Uh, I'm the emergency management planner. And uh, basically anything that has the word plan in it, I'm responsible for making sure that it kept, keeps up to date and holding people responsible for what they are supposed to do. Okay, great. So um, they're coming to, th- we are at the end of August today. As we're recording this, it is August the 22nd here, but um, we're going to be running these um, little episodes um, here and there uh, um, because September is actually National um, um, Natural Disaster um, um, Preparedness um, Awareness Month, right? Did I say that right? I'm so sorry. National Disaster Preparedness Month. Yeah. National Disaster Preparedness Month. So um, let's start off with that. Um, c- can you tell me about um, what national, uh, what what national, that's going to be a tongue twister for me all day. <laughs> Natural Disaster Preparedness Month is and when did it start? Sure. So the Department of Homeland Security, of course, has uh, many agencies under it. One of them is the Federal Emergency Management Agency that we, most of us know as FEMA. So FEMA began the National Disaster Preparedness Month in 2004, and they selected uh, September as the month uh, to do that. And uh, like, for example, this year, the National Preparedness uh, Month theme for 2019 is, is uh, prepared, not scared. And so they usually promote uh, preparedness for the general public but also for uh, local governments, for tribal governments, territorial governments, non-government agencies, the private sector, pretty much what is called the whole community. Everyone that in a whole community that has a, uh, a part in that whole community uh, can have access to information that uh, allows them to be better prepared. Uh, for disasters, not just natural, it's all hazards, natural man-made disasters, Technical, technological accidents, things like that. Yeah, national disaster. Okay, so I, I keep saying natural. I apologize for that, no, but no it's problem. actually National Disaster yes, Preparedness sir. Month, like Josh was saying. That's any kind of disaster that can happen, you know, under um, any any circumstances. Anything from tornado to terrorist attack to um, just pre- pretty much a- anything in between. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, our community had one of those a couple of weeks ago. Yes, um, you know, so um, we, we saw just like first responders in action and everything, and um, I saw that um, one of those, um, I, I guess, um, reunification centers was set up. Is, is that something you guys were involved with or know people that are involved with? So we, we knew, yeah, of course, uh, a lot of the agencies that we work with uh, were involved in that reunification center. As a matter of fact, uh, those same people have come down to the Pueblo and kind of given us guidance and input on how to run our own reunification center if we'd ever need to. Uh, with the uh, empowerment department that we have. <coughs> They're in charge of uh, the, the kids, our kids, uh, you know, preschool program, after school program, and if we should ever have any kind of a incident similar to that or, or a natural incident where, you know, uh, people need to evacuate, then uh, the, these programs need to uh, take responsibility for the kids they have under them. 
<clears throat> pardon me, and make and make sure that at some point they're able to reunify uh, their the children with their parents. And so we kind of take that very seriously. And so uh, part of our preparation is uh, making sure that we're able to run a reunification center that way. Yeah. So um, what kind of disasters are the pueblo is the pueblo <coughs> vulnerable to? So in our plans, uh, so for example. Uh, some of the uh, natural disasters, uh, natural hazards that we have are flooding uh, based on like uh, back in 2006 when we had a 100-year flood that was just unprecedented here in this area. We're next to a river too, especially District 2, which is abuts right with the Rio Grande. So that's always a, uh, a threat there of uh, rivering flooding. Uh, there's a lot of haz hazardous materials that are transported uh, on the road and on, by railway that we're very close to. So a hazmat oil spill uh, is, a, is a big threat for us. Drought can be also. And then, of course, uh, 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 in 2011, we had a, uh, a deep freeze, a very extreme freeze. Uh, so these are just some examples. I don't know if some uh, there's others that I'm not thinking about that maybe the rest of my staff might want to throw in there. But... Uh, these are probably some of the ones that were most uh, uh, that that can threaten us. Yeah, more prone, but then well, you likely. Well, one of the I things likely. that uh, we also have to look at is the ranch, and uh, some of the things that happened down there. And of course, uh, they're still going to have a lot of the stuff there. But I've noticed with the weather patterns and things, they are more prone to um, electrical storms. Uh, so a lot of lightning which can cause wildland fires. Yeah, so yeah. We've had, we've had a couple at the ranch yeah. over the past recent years, and, and they, they burned up a lot of acreage. I don't know off the top of my head, but um, that, that ranch being out there, I'm talking about the Chilecote Ranch, which is uh, near Marfa, Texas, which is, I want to say, about a two-hour drive away from here. It makes it difficult for your team on the ground to be able to respond to something like that, right? How do you guys mitigate something like, like that? Like, how is that planned for? Well, the, we do uh, try and... Uh, put in place some type of a plan where we can uh, respond as quickly as possible to that area. Eventually, we have to get resources from here over there. But in the meantime, also, there's agreements that we have with uh, the state of Texas, primarily, for that area that it are, we're able to access through the local volunteer fire departments in that area, like Valentine's uh, Volunteer Fire Department and others in the area. Uh, to be able to support us. Uh, of course, there mo most of the uh, focus is going to be on protecting property mm -hmm. uh, because there's very minimal uh, life there, m very minimal people that live there. But there are some, so we, we are concerned with those. But most of it is just protecting property. Yeah, it's not a highly populated area, of course. So um, you guys do a lot of uh, boots on the ground wise, um, preparing the tribe and, and the government and all our enterprises with, um, you know, for, for these kind of things. But um, let's talk, uh, since it is um, an awareness month, so we're here to raise awareness. Let's talk about how us as individual tribal members or just maybe people from the, the surrounding communities can prepare themselves in the event of a disaster. I know um, Julie did send us a, a, a beautiful um, basic disaster supply list. Uh, let's let's talk about that list and what's on what's on it and um, how um, you know we can get our household ready uh, in the case and and uh, hopefully we'll never need it but in the event that we do have to um, hunker down for a couple of days uh, what should we we have on that list? Uh, basically, you should have uh, enough food uh, to be able to cover like three days, so seventy two hours. Food and water are your biggest things, uh, but you got to remember that you may not have electricity, so some of that food may not be. Uh, something that needs to be heated uh, or refrigerated because um, th those things are going to start to either you're not going to have the access to it or you're not going to be able to um, eat what's spoiled, obviously. So um, this, those are things, again, one of the things to remember is to make sure you're when you get into the refrigerator and when your electricity is off, it's a quick grab and out so that the cold stays in there as long as possible. Uh, some of the things on the list that you need, um, you should be able to uh, have not just the food and water for yourself, but also for any pets that you have. Uh, you don't want them going hungry and thirsty also. Um, 
One of the things that I tell everybody that's usually not on that list that they can get at uh, ready.com, which is a, a website that has the whole free, the list, uh, ready.gov, sorry. Um, and uh, when your cell phone dies, which it will die eventually if you don't have electricity, is you need to have a, a hard copy of any important phone numbers. And that would be relatives, uh, your kids, your parents, your grandparents, what, you know, whoever you feel you would want to be able to call but not necessarily have access to your phone because everybody relies on their contact list and their phones anymore. Nobody remembers phone numbers. Um, but you also want to put on there your insurance company. You want to be able to get your insurance company, get a hold of them. Um, so having that hard copy of just a few important phone numbers is always a good idea to have in your kit. Um, blankets is always a good thing to have or have access to be able to say grab a few blankets, pillows. If you have to evacuate, uh, be able to take those things with you. One of the other things that you might want to think about, especially if you have small children and you're going to be in a, a shelter for any uh, a couple days or even just overnight, is something comfortable for the kids, like a, a stuffed toy or their favorite blanket, so stuff like that, to give them a little bit of a, a security type thing. And um, when you when you hit the shelter, um, the shelter is probably going to have your basic needs, but Remember your phone charger. Again, that's a big thing with people nowadays. Make sure you have that phone charger with you, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know they make solar power ones, too, so those are, are good to have. And you could probably find that. I mean, not that we're here to plug Amazon, or, <laughs> but I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, that's part of the problem. And we've become a society just dependent on Google and Amazon and everything. But like you were saying, people don't remember their, their you know, their basic phone numbers, something that we used to. You know, without sounding all old and fuddy-duddy, like uh, back in my day, I used to remember, you know, uh, my uh, everybody's phone number. But, yeah, that is like uh, extremely great advice. So if we're not going to be um, sheltered at a shelter and we're just going to shelter in place in our own home, um, you mentioned we need to have three days of um, food and water. Where, what's a good place to store water in, like in case of an emergency, just gallons? Normally, if you just go to the, any Walmart mm -hmm. or any place like that and grab a, a case of water, and just mm -hmm. remember that, you know, you need, uh, I think it's... Uh, uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be one gallon of water per person per day. day. Per okay, day. so if you're a family of five, you should have... Um, let me Five see. 15. 15 gallons of water there. there. Yeah. For the, for the for three, three days. days. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. Uh, without, you know, uh, um, turning our hoarding and turning our house into, you know, a, a prepared. It, it really doesn't take up. I'm looking at the list right now. We've got water, food, battery powered or hand cranked room radio, a flashlight, first aid kit, extra batteries. So all sizes of extra batteries, right? Well, if you, if you don't have anything that takes a D battery, then you don't need batteries yeah uh, that's all I'm saying is you want whatever it is you actually have because most flashlights I think take like C batteries yeah you might have some that take uh, the the double uh, A if it's a smaller type uh, flashlight so just depend on what type of things you have that need to run off a battery whether it's flashlights or if you have an electric toothbrush yeah. you know and it's got takes batteries whatever I, I don't know it, it all depends on what you have I mean, there's no sense in getting those great big, huge nine volt batteries that go into like lanterns yeah. if you don't have a lantern. I mean, it's it's kind of a waste of money and and stuff like that. So you want batteries for what you actually have and will be using. Okay, and then I see here. Uh, I wouldn't have even thought of this. A whistle, a whistle to signal for help. Yes. Yeah, or maybe one of those air horns. Like, and that's basically because yeah. if you happen for some reason or in a, a facility, whether it's your house or, or work. And it collapses due to either a storm, whatever, terrorist attack, mm -hmm. whatever. The dust is going to affect your voice. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to yell for very long. Whereas a whistle, you're not using your voice. You're just mm -hmm. using air. So uh, that's the reason why we say a whistle. Okay, so whistles, a whistle's a great one to have in there. Um, and then a dust mask to help filter contaminated air and plastic sheeting and duct tape to shelter in place. But a bandana will work just as well. A bandana. Okay, a wrench or pliers, which everyone should have to turn off the utilities. Um, manual can opener for food. That's a great one. People like don't don't think about that. Yeah. Like I, I'd probably be hammering it with a nail <laughs> if I was hungry. No, if I was hungry enough. But I mean, like you know, a simple can opener will like preserve that energy and everything. Uh, local maps. Uh, you want to elaborate on local maps a little bit? Uh, 
it, there's a possibility again if your phone goes dead navigation. you're not going you know, to have that navigation <laughs> yeah. going on yeah uh, that's a great point point. and also if it is a huge national type disaster mm-hmm. the the government has the right to shut down all satellites which mm-hmm. means none of your gps is going to work okay and then um you've already mentioned the cell phone here prescription medication is a big one uh pain relievers non-prescription ma- meds um and acids uh, i see on here Glasses and, and contact lens solutions, um, infant formula, bottles, diapers, wipes, diaper rash cream, uh, all your baby essentials, basically. Uh, you mentioned pet food earlier. That one's important. Um, cash or traveler's checks. Uh, nobody really thinks about the credit card machines being down. Yeah, and electric. Banks being closed That's and everything. Right. So, yeah. And um, I, I was just reading um, about... Um, an article not too long ago of people that, you know, like there's a shortage of water and they'll take water into a disaster area, like to profit off of it and everything. And, you know, the laws of supply and demand start to um, get out there. And, you know, like, and and, I mean, I don't speak illy of, you know, people that are going to do that. I mean, the the bottom line is people that need water are going to get the water, but, you know, um, it it does happen. So cash is a a good, good suggestion. A sleeping bag or a warm blanket, complete change of clothing appropriate for um, the climate, Uh, household chlorine bleach and medicine droplet to disinfect water. Is there a website where they can see how to do that? Yes, and that's uh, ready.gov. Ready.gov. Okay, so ready.gov, just right off the bat, sounds like a a, a website that any head of household should probably be aware of. Yes. Yeah, or adults in the house. Uh, So, Chris... So I was going to add that, you know, Julie and you have been talking also about certain important documents, cash, cashier's checks, things like that. Any kind of document and any kind of paper document, hard copy, can be put into a a, 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 Flash drive. a bag, a, a bag, though, that you can oh. seal. And I know that in our community uh, events, we've uh, passed out a lot of packets and a lot of plastic bags so those of you that are hearing me right now that can remember getting those uh, those bags that's what those bags are for yeah so that you can put those important documents and go straight home and put the important documents in there you know you you might have a file cabinet where you keep them it's not going to hurt you just to put them in that bag before you put them in the file cabinet don't just toss them aside with all the other stuff you got at that fair or whatever it was red ribbons coming up around the corner Uh, um, you know, put those to use. That's what they're for. You know, the tribe provides these services, so make sure you use them. Yeah, um, fire extinguisher matches um, in a waterproof container, um, feminine supplies and personal hygiene items, uh, mess kits, paper cups, plates, forks, um, plastic utensils. Those are great. Um, paper and pencils, of course. Um, books, games, puzzles, those are for children. You know, they're not going to have the Internet, so... Um, and then um, maintaining your kit. Let's talk about maintaining your kit. What? How? How often should we vi- revisit this uh, kit? So you know, uh, a lot of times the suggestions out there, like with fire alarms uh, or any type of alarm that has a battery in your home, uh, to check them twice a year. Usually, whenever daylight savings time uh, kicks in or whenever it, it goes out. Right, that happens twice a year. Usually in the spring and the fall. So you might use that time to remind you as well to just go to your uh, go kit and just review all the items to see any anything that might expire to just kind of rotate it out and get new stuff in there. So that's a good reminder. But really, there is no set amount of times. Typically, mm-hmm. a couple of times a year might be a good good thing. Yeah, but at least twice, I would say. Right. right? Yeah. Any, okay. any food items, you want to definitely check those. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that they're still uh, shelf safe. And uh, batteries, I mean, batteries can be rotated out, you know, just uh, like he says, once or twice a year, just go through and say, okay, well, these have been in there for a year, even though a lot of batteries nowadays have a five-year shelf life, but how long were they on the shelf at the store before you got it? Before you got them, exactly. And then, um, like, I found that they last longer if you don't keep them in the actual device. Like, if you, you know, you keep your batteries outside of your flashlight, mm -hmm. and then when you need it, you know, they're right there in the same uh, I like I love those gallon sized storage bags to store things. Me right. personally, you know, because you can um, and masking tape and sharpies. Like, <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm kind of OCD, like <laughs> like with with storing things. Like, um, 
Yeah, even when I buy something, like I have the instruction manuals in the file cabinet, and like I, I yeah, I'm a bit yeah, of a hoarder. You actually read those? I mean, yeah, you're no, I keep, a I, guy, and he reads the instruction manuals. No, I, oh my gosh! I, I file them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually read them, but I, I file them. For future reference. Yeah, for future reference, <laughs> or know. you know, or if I, if I end up um, getting rid of that, uh, people are surprised that I have all the original paperwork when I pass it on. You know, but yeah, I have a file cabinet alphabetized and everything. So, um, yeah. Um, definitely, I, I, uh, I'd recommend keeping your batteries outside of the flashlight and just having them in the same gallon size plastic bag. They'll last a lot longer and, and um, you know, who knows how long we'd be without light. I, I've, I've experienced rolling blackouts here, like um, during mm-hmm. that freeze that you talked about earlier. I remember that we were losing power for, you know, an hour at a time. And, you know, you, you really don't appreciate electricity until you don't yeah. have it. That's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, that that's everything on, on on the storage end of it. There. Um, back to back to storage. Um, storing the actual go kit should be in in a cool place, not in a hot garage. Mm-hmm. Oh, in a cool place. Okay, so like in, in the back of a closet or in yeah. the pantry. And I think um, it's important that you know, like the whole family, be aware. Not maybe know what's in there. Just be aware of you know where to find it and everything. Because um, say mom's at work, you know, when this happens or you're separated and now you don't have cell phone signal and you know you you might be um, um, you know without it for a couple hours and and you know just tell them you know the, the disaster kit is uh, in this closet in this bedroom you know if you need it and you could start thumbing through that. You know, but but usually it's one person that's responsible for all that. But like everybody, I think that's you know above a certain age, you know maybe teenage and above should know where that kid is and how to get there. And Th- that's a good point, Chris. Yeah. And actually, the Ready.gov website really stresses that. And 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 you say uh, uh, middle age. I mean, uh, you know maybe teenage. like m- middle middle schoolers and up. But really, even your elementary age kids, they should be aware. So they, the ready.gov really recommends that a family, when they prepare, that they prepare together as a family, not just one person. Sure, there might be like the dad maybe that's the most motivated or some, a member in the, of the family, but they really recommend that you do preparedness together. This way everybody knows where everything's at and how you're preparing because you're right. When a disaster strikes, the family might not be together. So that one member that might have prepared by himself has all the information, but the other members don't know. Yeah, so definitely. So where, where can uh, um, somebody find a copy of this list? Ready.com also? Oh, yeah, ready.gov. Yeah. Ready.gov. Ready. 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 I'm sorry, .gov. Ready.gov is really a good website. Yep. It's the FEMA website. There are other websites, of course, that might have Red information similar information. to that. Uh, the... the uh, I'm, I'm, I might not say this correctly, but the the uh, Latter Day Saints they have very aggressive, excellent preparedness programs as well. And if you just uh, Google Latter Day Saints preparedness, you can probably find some good information there too. I mean, they're just really known for that. And there's other organizations that might do the same thing, but. Uh, the FEMA one, the official one, is ready.gov, where you're, where you're going to find most of this uh, preparedness information. Yeah, and don't wait till the day of the day of the disaster to go to <laughs> ready.gov. Like that's something you want to do now. Like when you're just on your phone scrolling and everything, um, you know, go to ready ready.gov and and start thinking about it. Just uh, even just thinking about it is going to help you um, be prepared in the event of one of um, these disasters. So. Um, that's basically it for um, our, our basic disaster supply list. We're going to take a break. Um, th- thanks for joining us here on Kue 101.5 FM, Isla del Sur. Welcome to KUEH Kue 101.5 FM, Isla del Sur, Pueblo. This is Chris Gomez bringing you an episode of the Daily Corn Mill. Uh, September is National Disaster Preparedness Month, and in studio today, we've got three guests from the tribe's er, emergency management division. We've got Spetsy Archuleta. How are you doing, Spetsy? Good. Good. Hello, hello all. Okay, we got uh, Josh Garcia. Hello. And we've got Julie Hart-Smith. It's Smith Hart, but that's Smith Hart, okay. Smith Hart. Yeah, we're, sorry. We're, we're going to get this Chris yeah, one way or another. Okay. It's okay. Segment no two. Segment two. <laughs> I'm getting closer though. Okay, so Julie Smith Hart, right? Yes. Julie Smith Hart. Okay. Um, 
So um, I apologize for that again. So hopefully we can do segment three without that apology. So um, we're here today to talk to you about um, the emergency notification list, uh, what that is, how that will benefit your family. So um, we've got three experts in the field. First off, um, um, they've, they've, Josh has over 13 years experience in, um, he founded the tribe's emergency management division um, so um, he, he's a, a man that knows what he's talking about here. And um, let's talk about this emergency notification list. Um, first, uh, first of all, what, what, it, what exactly is it? Okay. Um, basically what it is is uh, all the alerts that you get from either the city, county, or like uh, the um, uh, IPAWS type things that you get from uh, child alerts, things like that. That's all part of it. But the Pueblo has their own notification system, and we're uh, using the notification system for uh, any hazards that would affect uh, the Pueblo, such as like a, a boil notice going out, that you would get that notification immediately. Uh, it, it takes like uh, a minute and a half to set up the, the notice to go out and to be sent out. So as soon as we would get notification that there is a boil notice or if there's a, a major incident uh, and road closures are going to be affecting uh, any of the Pueblo, things like that. It's, it's not going to be used for just every day we're going to send you a message because we don't want people to get used to the fact that yeah, when they hear it, it's not an emergency. We want it, when it goes off, to know that it is an emergency and it's it's important information that you need to know. Uh, we want to basically keep people from turning it off because that's what happens is if you get too many notifications that are just everyday type event type things, people get tired of hearing that thing go off. And if you have several devices set up to receive that, you're going to receive it on every one of those and that just kind of like drives you crazy. So we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that when you hear it, it means that you need to pay attention. So ours is Pueblo specific then? Yes. Okay, so um, it, does it have anything that's going to differentiate it from the ones that we would get, like the amber alerts that come in on our phones or anything like that? It, it's not going to come across as an amber alert. It will come across uh, differently, mm -hmm. and, but it will definitely be, uh, because it can go to a landline, it can go to a cell phone, it can go to your email. It's all whatever you decide to set it up for. So, Chris, just so you can kind of, we can differentiate between emergency notifications mm -hmm. and Amber Alerts specifically. Amber Alerts are done through a technology that FEMA uh, designed and prepared for, for different types of governments. And certainly tribal governments have access to that technology. Actually, we do. We just have not implemented it yet. But the way Amber Alerts work is uh, through the technology that's provided you can actually designate a geographic area and send out notice. And whether you are signed up to a notification system or not, you're going to get that notice because of the technology that's being used. And so those alerts are really more critical and more uh, severe than maybe a notice that goes out that says, uh, you know, uh, the Pueblo might be subject to flooding in eight hours or 10 hours. Yeah, there's a you storm a on the horizon. Time. Yeah, it's exactly. For something that's kind of warning you more than it is saying, boom, this is something serious that's happening right now and, and it needs attention. So we have both uh, both technologies, uh, and so, but there's a difference there. And so we, we will also be able to send out uh, alerts similar to Amber Alerts if that would ever warrant it. But like Julie was saying, we want to be very careful with how often we use this so that people won't get used to seeing it and, and yeah. kind of ignoring it. And you know when it happens, it is an actual disaster or, or um, emergency. Something not, not, serious. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, you need to stop what you're doing and take note to it. Okay, so um, how do I sign up with the Pueblo's um, emergency um, notification list? Well, if you want to send um, us an email at EMD, and that's Edward mary david at ydsp hyphen nsn dot gov and we'll give that out a couple different times throughout this um and just let us know that you want to sign up we will send you the instructions and we'll also walk you through it if we need to 
over the phone or um, if you want to come by the office and we'll set you up right then and there if you're in the area. Um, again, it's, it's really simple. It takes a few steps. It is a few steps, but we walk you through it. The instructions give you detailed, click this, click that, enter this. It's very detailed instructions. So uh, again, that's E-M-D at Y-D-S-P hyphen N-S-N dot gov. Okay. Um, and then um, you mentioned that we could sign up on various platforms. L let's talk about those. So there's phones. Um, to actually receive the alerts, you can mm -hmm. get it through your email, your cell phone, your landline. Um, these are all things that your work phone number, if you have a separate work phone number, uh, it'll all come through on all, all devices that you select. We don't select that for you. Actually, in the website, you'll go in and it'll, there'll be a little check mark. And if it says uh, work phone, then it'll have you put that phone number in. If it's a cell phone, it'll have you put that phone number in. Um, it, you'll come through uh, with your cell phone as a text message, or if you get your email through your cell phone, it'll come through your uh, cell phone email. Okay, great. And um, so if I change cell phone car uh, um, carriers, it's my responsibility to update that information though, right? Yes, we would like to see people go in periodically and make sure that they have the correct information on on everything. Um, email Emails change, people update, they move jobs, work phone numbers change. Just moving from one building to another, your phone number may, may change. So we definitely want to make sure that uh, the information is current um, we'd like to be able to say, you know, as soon as you get a new cell phone, a new phone number, that you do it right then and there. But we do realize that it's, again, one of those things that people just kind of let slide. Yeah, but they, need, they should put it higher up on the priority list for sure. Definitely, yeah. but it's yeah. kind of... Yeah, people are more worried about, like, porting their pictures over to the new phone <laughs> and, you know, like, the importing their contacts. And I mean, which, yeah, okay, your contacts, like, I understand it, but, like, it should be up there on the priority list for sure. Right. Yeah, because um, you, you never know when that disaster is going to happen or, or, or um, the emergency is going to happen. And, you know, it, it, it might affect you personally. So um, and um, the question on how often we're going to get updates only in emergency. So it might be never. You know, it we, might we be are wanting to set up a uh, we haven't done it yet, uh, but it is something that we're looking at of doing a quarterly test, uh, test message just so that people will kind of say, okay, oh, well, that's what it sounds like, or that's what it's going to look like. But it's not going to be, again, one of those things that we're going to do on a weekly basis or anything like that. We want to do it like on a quarterly basis. Yeah, and I mean, that that's something we can definitely help you with here. You know, letting people know the test is coming a week from today. You know, it's going to be, you know, this. That, that way, um, number one, um, they're not frightened by it and thinking it's an actual emergency. But then n number two, um, you're aware and you know that, uh, okay, Thursday passed 10 a.m. when the test was supposed to happen, and I didn't get it at work. I didn't get it here. I need to go in there and, and you know, update and check it out right. or, or email you. Give me that email again. That sure. way. Sure. It's EMD mm -hmm. at YDSP-NSN.gov. Yeah. And Chris, also, um, th the Pueblo has a website, right? It's like the sort of Pueblo.org. And at one time, we used to have a link there, but the, the website underwent recently a change. And okay. so that link went out, but we're going to contact those that manage the website to be able to get that link put on again so we'll be contacting whoever that is that that is me and Excellent. i will take i will take care of that Excellent. for you we're gonna get that we're gonna get that to <laughs> yeah, you because yeah, i think definitely. that's that's just another way for our yeah. listeners that go to our website regularly and we we just really ask that everybody spread the word around to to their uh to the the community members that live in district one and district two because essentially that's what this uh, warning system is really for is for the two communities. So anyone that lives there, whether they're tribal or not, we don't make that distinction, but just pass the word around. Yeah. And and in a family, you might think, oh, well, just the dad will put his device. No, no. Even kids have their phones. Get those kids signed up and get get their devices on their too. Eld so elder parents that you have that live in the district exactly. and everything. Yeah. Is, is there any benefit to, um, like, like I know that there, there's some people that live, especially in your district one, they live in the old barrio or, um, or maybe just 
is there any benefit to just tribal members in general signing up to it? Like even if they, if they might live in Las Cruces, just to know that the offices might be closed for a period of time or? Okay, if they are going to do that because it is a geographic area that we cover, they need to put down either a relative that lives on the Pueblo or uh, the main uh, address for the administration building, anything along that line, as long as it is uh, on the Pueblo, they put down that as their address. That's what they need to do, because that's what it's going to key on. It's going to key on that address. It's not going to key on your area code on your phone. It's going to key on your address. So okay. you definitely want an address within the Pueblo. Within the Pueblo. Okay. So um, we talked about signing up, and you said we can uh, um, as many devices. So I, I, I can go in and, and put my wife's device on, right, for yes. example. Yes. I don't have to um, um, set up a separate sep account. separate account for her. Okay, so and then my, I can bang out my mom's phone like while I'm there. Correct, yep. Yeah, I'm not going to get in trouble for that. Like, well, yeah. she might get you in trouble, but yeah. we're not going to get you in trouble <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so um, if, if you have a family member that maybe struggles a little bit with technology or this seems foreign to, I mean, first of all, um, these are great people sitting in front of me, and they're they're more than happy to help walk you through the process. Um, you know, they're 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 always there to help our community. But um, you know, if if you're more tech savvy than a grandparent, let's say, you might want to go ahead and do that, and just think about anybody that might be affected by it, and um, make sure you you uh, go to that website. As soon as I have that information out, I guess I'm going to put out a PSA. Uh, um, so be on the lookout for that that public service announcement that we'll do that. We'll mention the the actual link where to find it on the tribe's page. I'll try and make it as easy as possible for you to do that. So I'll get that out in the coming hours, hopefully. Great. Okay. Also, when signing up, um, when you're signing up, remember the, that password because you're creating that account for you. So you can create your your uh, username and password. So when you can go back in and change your phone numbers or updates or any of your updates. Okay, so yeah, definitely make sure you. Um, best thing to do that email that that Julie gave out. What I would um, do with that one is just sa save it on on your phone as a, as under context. Mm -hmm. You know, just have it there. I have a bunch of d different things, and under the company, I put Isla del Sur Pueblo, but I'll put the department's name, like Tribal Police. And then, um, you know, that you, you can, the way that cell phones are set up now, smartphones, it lets you put like a website in there or a link. And, you know, you can, you can even have notes and put the passwords to your, your um, login information and That's everything what I there. Do. So, yeah, easiest thing to do in the world. And, and um, that few minutes that you spend there, it'll save you a hassle. I don't have to Google the website. I don't have to, I have people that text me all the time, like, you know, can you give me the number to admin or, you know, and I have it, you know, so. I'm a walking tribal directory. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, that's the emergency notification list. Thanks for joining me um, for, for this portion of this. Um, remember, again, September is National Preparedness Month. So um, take the time there. Listen to um, some of the past episodes that we've had. We've got other great tips on um, the Community Emergency Response Team. We've also got a, um episode on a disaster preparedness kit that's, that's on there. You can find those by searching the daily cornmeal on uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple, Google, um, Spotify, um, Stitcher, Anchor, um, basically all those podcasts, um, platforms out there, just search that and you, you can um, get that information there. Uh, um, download this episode and past episodes there. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with another segment. Thank you for listening to Cue 101.5 Isla del Sur Pueblo. Welcome to Gue 101.5 FM, Isla del Sur Pueblo. I am Chris Gomez. We are coming to you from the Paquitu Village. This is an episode of the Daily Corn Mill. I have with me here, um, we've got members of our emergency management division of the Pueblo. We've got Spetsy Archuleta. How are you doing, Spetsy? Good, good. And you? Good, good. Um, and then we've got Josh Garcia. Hello. Uh, how are you doing, Josh? Real well, thank you. Julie Smith Hart. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we got All it right. on the third one. On the so we got Julie <laughs> Smith Hart. Okay, so um, um, they're all joining us because September is N National Preparedness uh, Awareness Month there, and so we're preparing you guys um, for National Pre um, National Disaster Preparedness Month there. Um, having the experts in here, um, over 13 years of experience, um, sitting in this room with me, we've got Josh Garcia, who actually founded our our Pueblos Department. And is recognized throughout our region in West Texas um, by by uh, other um, peers 
uh, as a leader here there. So we he's a great resource for the tribe, as are, are Julie and, and Spetsy to have here. And right now we are going to be talking about the Community Emergency Response Team, okay, also known as CERT. So uh, let's go ahead and start it off. Um, um, guys, uh, what exactly is CERT? CERT, is, um, again, stands for the Community Emergency Response Team. Uh, it's a program that it, uh, educates volunteers about disaster preparedness for hazards that may impact their area and trains them in basic disaster response skills, such as fire safety, light search and rescue, team organization, and uh, disaster medical uh, operations. Okay, so um, how long has CERT, CERT been around? Um, I know it's not something that's unique to our Pueblo. It, it's uh, something that happens nationally, maybe even worldwide. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Give, it, give us some history on CERT? Well, CERT actually began in Los Angeles by their uh, fire department. Um, it was developed and implemented um, by them in 1985. So they've been around for like 34 years. Um, when the Whittier Narrows earthquake hit in 1987, uh, it gave it confirmed that um, there was a a need for trained civilians. So that's when it was implemented. But then in 1993, FEMA made it available for uh, training nationwide. So that's another 26 years that FEMA has has um, taken over that. So now all 50 states, including tribal nations and U.S. territories, um, all have unique um, cert uh, to their communities for their uh, specific um, hazards. Okay, and how long has the tribe had a cert presence? So we started in 2004, uh, trained a few uh, personnel in our, uh, with the, from the Pueblo, uh, people like Elias Torres, uh, Louis uh, Munoz, uh, to name a few. Uh, when we first started, there was a very minimal amount of uh, like first responders that were involved back then, uh, teaching the different units in, in the CERT curriculum. But since then, we've gotten a little more sophisticated, and now we include most of our responder departments, uh, people from each uh, each of those departments. Yeah, we even have a unit on disaster psychology that's usually taught by our uh, behavioral health department. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So yeah. the program's really yes. grown in that short period Very of time. Very much so. And we also include responders from around the region, too. You know, the El Paso Police Department, El Paso Fire Department, the Sheriff's Office. Personnel from these agencies have also uh, contributed and come here to the Pueblo and help us. Uh, yeah, chances us. are, because we are a checkerboarded reservation, that in the event of something that requires a CERT activation, that there are going to be some um, cross-jurisdictional uh, efforts going on. So that's that's uh, great that you guys are planning uh, um, for all that and that, that um, regular community members could be involved because I feel like what happens in, in the event of a disaster or the need for, for um, people, people generally want to help and they genuinely want to help. Exactly. And they're not trained. <laughs> they're not trained, and yeah. this will help them to be trained instead of being a liability. They'll they'll know what yeah. they, they help themselves first, and then their family, and then you know their neighbors. Yeah, just by taking care of yourself, like like um, you're helping you know the the first responders by them not having to worry. You're one less party for them to worry about. Right. You know, for for them to have to deal with, and then um, but then you through cert you can acquire some skills where you could actually help your community with uh, um, efforts while other people are, are, are busy with, with other things. So um, let, let's talk about the training. You mentioned, you know, that uh, how, how long is it to become uh, um, a CERT member? Like what, what does that training entail? The, the training, um, we've, we've, can be a different, different um, um, days. Like if you take it during the, uh, through, through a weekend, it could be like a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to get trained. Uh, we've trained uh, the next generation um, participants. Uh, we haven't done that in a couple of years, but when we used to do that, um, it was a week-long training because there's also an exercise involved. Okay. T tell us about that exercise. Uh, um, I've been through it, but I mean for the listener that maybe have, have never been through it at all. So anyway, all... All the, the skills that you learn in the classroom are put to test in the, in the actual exercise. We'll go over to 
the the um, burn house is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, it's a burn building burn for ma- for the Socorro Volunteer Fire Department that we utilize. Okay, wow, that's great that you have that that so partnership. We'll have, we have the the we have victims um, that get um, the moulage put on them, and uh, we have some great actors that that really play the victim part, um, and our our cert um, participants are are tested what they have learned throughout the class. So they have to go into the the building. They they test all their skills, and they come back out with their victims. Yeah. So it's it's things like search and rescue, um, triage. Uh, what other exactly. kind of things will they they encounter at that simulation? Basic first aid, maybe. Basic first aid. Yeah, mm-hmm. and medical. It's called medical operations. So it's a little different from first aid, but it is similar to first aid. Uh, fire suppression. Uh, you also get to do what is called cribbing, and it's basically a technique where you're able to leverage uh, with different equipment, uh, heavy, heavy uh, debris to be able to free people out. So skills like this that can come in really handy, you know, like you were saying, in a disaster, people, any person is willing to help. But if you go through this training, it really gives you the skills to keep yourself safe, keep yourself from getting hurt and be more effective in helping rescuing people and saving saving lives ultimately. Okay, and uh, um, so there's a lot of benefits to becoming a CERT member. Um, who who um, will actually be training? Who, who does the training? Is it mostly staff or you mentioned behavioral health doing some units? Like what, what, what type of professionals can we expect to be training us? Well, you're, you're gonna have the emergency manage, management team and you'll also have um, first responders and um, which also are um, subject uh, matter experts. Okay, subject matter expert. How many modules are there like in, in, in the actual training or there, m- available modules, the, I should the, say? There are eight modules. I believe six of them uh, have hands-on skills, and then maybe a couple of them just it's, it's uh, knowledge. A lot of what we've talked about in the previous podcasts are, are already uh, – that, that's a whole – the first unit is on, – strictly on preparedness so a lot of what we've talked in our other podcasts uh you'll you'll hear about that too one of the other things that they uh touch on and i think it's pretty much the last module before the exercise is terrorism uh so they know what to look for uh the old saying uh, is still available out there of see something say something but it tells you basically what not to do uh in case of a terrorist attack yeah, and, and, you know, we're used to hearing terrorism and thinking about uh, people halfway across the world, you know, causing, uh, terrorizing. But, you know, in recent weeks, we know that that's uh, also an issue here in the United States, unfortunately, now. It's hit close to home. So a lot of these things that you learn in this unit, as Julia is saying, are, are very practical and help you to kind of be aware, to always be looking. Unfortunately, nowadays, we just have to do that now. We just have to be on the lookout for anything that looks suspicious. And if anything looks suspicious, it's just better to, to say something because you never know. Yeah, lives are on the line and it's it's better to, you know, just error on the side of caution than to, you know, not say anything at all and then find out about it later. Because um, sec- seconds count in, you know, incidents like the one we had a couple of weeks ago. I mean, just every second matters and every second is a life. So. That's, oh. ex- that's exactly right. And, and by the way, that unit is taught uh, specifically by our tribal police. So mm-hmm. one of our pol- patrolmen or w- somebody in the, our police department, we usually assign to teach that unit since they do. They're the subject matter experts in that area. Yeah. And, and I've, I've been through the training. It's been a couple of y- years si- since, I, since I've gone through it. But, and I've also been through the tribal police um, training for um, active shooter, active shooter and, and things like that. And um, as, a, as a Isla del Sur Pueblo um, um, employee here that, you know, I've had that benefit. And um, let me just tell you, they I can I can firsthand tell you both both of them do an excellent job. Like that training is just invaluable. Um, there's things that you wouldn't even think of. It's just a regular person, and and like it, it um, kind of gives you a sense of like how you should actually re- um, react because gut instinct isn't always the best thing to do, and it'll it'll kind of give you a, a roadmap of you know when to enter a building, when not to enter a building. Um, for example, just um th- things of that nature. So I had my, my training a couple of years ago. How often should I renew that? Well, your your cert your cert is 
is you don't have to re- you don't have to renew your 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 cert uh, membership, but it is good to kind of take refreshers and attend the exercises. So so uh, we haven't been very consistent uh, with. Uh, scheduling training on an annual basis and the cert training is really open just about to everybody we do limit uh in the younger uh, age group we do limit it to uh, kids that are in middle school and up Uh, but we've been known to include kids younger than middle school if they're with their parents or taking the training with their parents and they're well behaved and they're serious about learning the skills we don't even exclude them, but we don't necessarily put it out as, you know. Yeah, you're do, not promoting doing, for them. But right, yeah, a lot of it depends on training. the age of the, uh, the age and the emotional maturity of exactly. the child. But, exactly. But yeah. we do, we do uh, want to get back to providing this uh, training for the community. So heads up, uh, because we'll utilize any means, w- including this radio station, to announce any community emergency response yeah, team trainings that are coming up, that might be coming up. Uh, we just kind of have to regroup our efforts in uh, this CERT program, and uh, we'll be doing that here in the next uh, year to two years, and then get kind of get going a little more consistent to provide this for the community because I believe it's that's really our focus. And early on, that's who we were targeting, everybody in the community. In the last two, three years, we focused in the summer specifically with the T1X Generation program that we have, uh, targeting our our, our uh, middle school and eight and uh, high school age uh, kids, we, which we train most of them, believe it or not. But uh, you know, we're gonna get back to providing that training to the community. So typically, these trainings are probably gonna occur on weekday evenings or on weekends, just to make it more practical for people who obviously work or are doing other stuff during the week, during the day. Yeah, definitely great training out there. And um, you know, the, the simulations, like like you, you do learn a lot and everything. And of course, um, we will be bringing you those training dates as they become available to us. Um, you know, uh, um, the radio station will be partnering with them. You guys have provided just some excellent information um, for um, National Disaster Preparedness Month. So, um, you know, I thank you all for coming in uh, and talking about um, CERT. We did a three-part series here, guys, that will be airing the entire month of December. So if if you missed the first two episodes, I mean, September, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, A three-part series uh, that will be airing um, at at different periods. Um, We're going to have this on regular rotation uh, um, the entire month of September, starting here in late August and, and running all through there. If you missed an episode or you want to go back or you want to listen to it on your time and you're not waiting for the radio um, uh, um, to put it on there, you don't have to randomly look there. You can do so by uh, we have this all three episodes grouped together in podcast format that you can hear. So if you missed the first two episodes by going to wherever you um, get your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Anchor, any one of those platforms and, and um, searching the Daily Corn Mill. And you'll, you'll find um, th- these um, episodes. I'm, I'm titling that episode uh, um, National Disaster Preparedness with our Emergency Management um, Division here. So um, go ahead and, and look this up. Uh, you've been listening to GUE 101.5 FM, Isla del Sur Pueblo. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for, for being guests here. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Yeah, you want to give out the email one more time before sure, we leave the air? Sure, It's emd at ydsp hyphen nsn dot gov yeah so uh, take time this month to um really um look at look at your 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 own personal preparedness and thanks for joining me